Welcome to the Simply Financial Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Calandra. Thanks for joining me today. This is our fourth season, and this is episode number 46. On today's episode, I want to talk about some research that I read recently from my friends at Invesco, a major investment company, and they put out some really good information. And the title of the presentation or the research was The Truth About Debt. So we'll call this episode My Version of the Truth About Debt. So it's worth noting that U.S. debt has steadily risen ever since the country was founded and that this uh, has been a blessing for the United States, not a curse, because we've consistently had a steady market of buyers for our debt throughout the history of the United States. And it's let us tap the capital markets and given us tremendous flexibility. And the thing about the debt, and I know sometimes in certain circles, The debt is talked about as a very scary thing, and I want to allay some of those concerns with some information that I've read in this research I mentioned from Invesco, but but also just through the course of my work as a financial planner for 28 years, because even though the debt has risen throughout the 20th century, this has come at the same time that the U.S. has also grown dramatically more prosperous. So as debt levels have risen, the United States has become increasingly prosperous. And this prosperity has allowed the debt to be sustainably serviced. That because we become wealthier and wealthier, we are able to pay our debt service and we have unrivaled fiscal flexibility around the world. It is the envy of the world that we're able to borrow money creating a very deep and liquid market around the world and has given us advantages that other countries would love to have. Now in 2020, the year of COVID or the coronavirus, we have added trillions of dollars to the debt. And I want to talk a little bit about the impact of that because even though the debt has increased a lot, we are borrowing money at incredibly low rates, given that we are essentially in a 0% interest rate environment. And so our interest cost on the debt, the payments, because the interest is lower than it has been previously, we are in good shape to sustainably service that debt. So let's talk about this. Over the last 30 years, we've increased our debt But at the same time, interest rates, our costs have gone down. So as an example, U.S. interest payments on U.S. debt has averaged 8.9% since World War II. Right now, we are at 8.4%. So what I'm saying is when you look at all of the U.S. government spending, uh, how much of that spending has to go to debt service? It's 8.9%. On average since World War II, currently it's at 8.4%. In contrast, in the late 1990s, and the 1990s were a decade of prosperity and terrific economic growth, um, it was around 15%. So 8.4% seems very manageable. And let's just talk a little bit about a good, simple little example. Let's say you have a household that has $100,000 of debt, and it's at 5%. So just simple, no amortization, anything like that. 
That's $5,000 of interest each year that has to be serviced. Let's say, though, that that household increases the debt from 100000 to 150000 They increase the debt by 50% or $50,000. But let's also stipulate that at the same time, the interest cost went from 5% to 1%. That means that the debt service on 150000 is only 1500 instead of 5000 in my dopey little example. And that's what the U.S. has experienced. So would you be alarmed at going from the 100 to the 150? Perhaps. Uh, but your debt service has certainly gone down, improving your cash flow and your flexibility. Now, if that 50000 of increased in debt had somehow added to the wealth of that household, was reinvested in the business, purchased some type of investment, whatever and either brought in more income into the household and or increase the assets of the household, that would be construed as a pretty good bargain by most people. That's the same thing that the United States has experienced. We've gone from the proverbial 100000 to 150 like my example. So we have more debt, but the debt service has gone down, and that increased in debt has led to the country becoming much more prosperous and affluent. So that makes me feel much more comfortable about this debt subject because a lot of people will talk about the debt, but do not talk about the corresponding prosperity and affluence and increasing wealth. And also, they often don't talk about how the interest costs have gone down. And these are very, very important data points if you're going to talk about the debt and perhaps some concerns about the debt. Some people will also say that the system is poised to collapse because, for example, if China reduced its holdings in U.S. debt, they could cause the U.S. some problems. In my view, that's nonsense. About 30% of uh, U.S. debt is held by foreign countries. And that includes allies of ours like Japan, the United Kingdom, and South Korea. China, let's talk about some actual information though. Peak holdings for China in U.S. debt was in 2013. Again, this comes from the Invesco research. Their peak holdings were in 2013, and they've been reducing them every year since then. But because the U.S. Treasury, U.S. debt market is so deep, so liquid, so many people around the world would like to own U.S. Treasuries for a whole host of reasons. It has not been a problem in any way whatsoever that China is reducing their holdings. And when you look at the interest rate part of that data point, interest in 2013, when they were at their peak, uh, we were paying, the U.S. was paying on its debt around 3%, touch under, but let's just call it 3 And even though China has reduced its Treasury holdings, the interest rates have gone from 3 to 1%, showing that there are buyers out there that want to own U.S. debt, and China is not likely to be able to wreck the U.S. economy by reducing and or discontinuing buying U.S. treasuries or even selling U.S. treasuries. Another thing is a concern about, well, if interest rates go up, um, would that 8.4% that I mentioned earlier become higher and higher to the point it becomes a problem. That could happen, but the relationship between interest rates and economic growth is very close. 
and it seems incredibly unlikely that rates would go up without growth going up. And what the research that I looked at demonstrates is that if you have modest growth in the U.S., 1% nominal GDP growth, growth, uh, gross domestic product growth. So if the economy grows by 1% in the simplest terms, the tax revenue that the government would take in as a consequence of that increased growth, that increase in tax revenue receipts would outpace, would be higher than the interest cost. Maintaining this sustainability of being able to service the debt without wrecking the budget. So that makes me feel very comfortable. Hopefully it does for you as well. Uh, And then the last thing I wanted to bring up is this notion that how is the U.S. going to pay back its debt? Are we saddling future generations with debt that won't be paid and will be a problem for them? As a father, I could appreciate that concern. But I've come to the conclusion, and I've held this view for quite a while now, is we're not going to pay back the debt. We're always going to have the debt. The focus, though, is on sustainability instead. Overall, is our financial positioning strong? And given the wealth and prosperity in the U.S., our ability to borrow easily and at low rates, it seems to me that it's a very sustainable and flexible model that does not scare me that much. So I think that there's a good chance moving into 2021 and beyond that the political dialogue and the public discourse will return to the topic of the debt is a problem and it is of concern. And I'm open to having that debate. I don't think it's a bad one to have, but hopefully you could use this information, uh, the idea about interest costs and the idea about the wealth that's created in the U.S. that makes us the biggest, most economically powerful country in the world. That needs to be part of that conversation. Just looking at the debt in a vacuum is a very, very unfair way to look at the issue. So I appreciate you listening. I sincerely hope you found the information uh, valuable. I would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast, if you haven't done so already, and recommend it to a friend or family member, a co-worker. That'd be wonderful. Uh, Visit our website, elliotwealth.com. You could find more information about me, the rest of the team here at Elliot Wealth, and how we help our clients win with money. If you're listening and you're not a client, At the website, you could sign up for a complimentary consultation where we could talk about you, your goals, and how we may be able to help you. Uh, I will be back with you in the next episode of the Simply Financial podcast very soon. Thanks very much for listening today. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of Sage Point Financial Incorporated and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Please note, the information being provided is strictly as a courtesy. When you link to any of the websites provided here, you are leaving this website. We make no representation as to the completeness or accuracy of the information provided at these websites, nor is the company liable for any direct or indirect technical or system issues or any consequences arising out of your access to your use of third-party technologies websites, information, 
and programs made available through this website. When you access one of these websites, you are leaving our website and assume total responsibility and risk for your use of the websites you are linking to. Securities and advisory services are offered through SagePoint Financial Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, insurance services offered through Elliott Wealth Management, LLC, not affiliated with SagePoint Financial.